Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're here in the room, you join us online, uh, really glad that you're here. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here, and really glad you are worshiping with us. And Brad's going to mention this here at the end at the, with the announcements. I just want to, I've got your attention, just get you excited. Easter's next week. It's going to be a great time to worship, to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it's a great opportunity we have as a church to just kind of love people who are you know, typically don't come to church or fairly rare or whatever, or people who may be coming to church for the first time. And so we always want to be just ready to, and prepared to just kind of love them well. So a couple of things, we're having three services, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. And if at all possible, just encourage you to avoid the 10 o'clock service. It's going to be where most of the new people come and just encourage you to come to the 8.30 or to the 11.30. Make sure we've got plenty of room uh, for our new people. Um, one ex- exception to that, man, if you're, if you're, gonna, if you're bringing new people, that's going to be uh, a, a great service, that 10, that's going to be very convenient. So I encourage you to come and invite your friends. Uh, take advantage of the fact that people's hearts and their minds are kind of, they're, they're thinking about it. And so to have a friend come up to them and say, hey, would you like to come worship with us? I mean, it's, a, it's a great opportunity. And also, if, you, if you're able to serve, kind of serve one, worship one, a lot of great opportunities with our hospitality, our kids' ministry. We would love to have you. So we've been in this series kind of leading up to Easter um, on this. Jesus kind of has this big, long sermon, this big teaching. It's kind of the upper room discourse, kind of the fancy name for it. It's kind of this Jesus realizing, hey, I'm about, I'm about to die. I'm about to leave these guys. What are the things that they need to know? And so what's kind of had me is he's thinking about leaving. It's kind of got me thinking as a parent, um, kind of all these kind of key transitions you kind of have with your kids where you're kind of, where you're kind of launching them right, into different things, like you'll experience, we experience it here in Grove Kids, like the first time, like you see a mom or dad dropping their kid off at the nursery, right, and they're kind of like, uh, 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 I mean, not really, you know, they're kind of nervous about it. We can talk about the psychology of what's going on in the mom or dad's mind, but that's, let's think about it from the kid's perspective, right? So you take your toddler and you drop them off in Grove Kids. Is that a, is that a good thing for the kid, right? Is that good for, ab- absolutely, right? I mean, there's, there's no snacks here, right? Sna- snacks, <laughs> snacks, right? Snacks, other kids, toys, and mom's not there, right? I mean, mom and dad, they're, they're not there, right? And so it's a little bit too like, like when maybe you drop your kids off at the overnight with the grandparents maybe for the first time, like the mom and dad may feel some anxiety about it and the kid may feel a little bit anxiety for it, but like, is that good or not? Well, they think about it. Eventually they realize it's actually great. And, our, and Layla, our youngest, all of our kids is, Layla's our youngest. I mean, she's like, when can I go back to see Mimi again? Which she calls my mom. And it's like, she loves Mimi, but really the thing she loves most about it, there's kind of this contract. They live in Branson. So there's, there's this kind of contrast, contract that you have in, in Branson, right? My dad says this all the time. There's no fussing in Branson. I don't know if you knew that rule. I don't know if you've ever taken your kids to Branson. There's no fussing in Branson. There's no fussing in Branson. No fussing in Branson. If there's no fussing in Branson, then there's no one to tell you no in Branson. Right, so she just wakes up all day. I do whatever I want all day, every day, and she just, she just, she just loves it. Right, you know. He sent him to school for the first time. Been talking to a couple of different parents this week about having a kid going to drive for the first time. They may feel some anxiety about it. You shouldn't, man. It's great. It's great. Just go. Just I don't have to pick you up from your thing anymore. Just go. Right. It's great. But they, it's it's freedom for them, right? It's freedom. It's freedom. I, I get. I get. I get, I get to be on my own. And then finally you launch them 
Um, after they graduate, I mean, that's not the full launch. Maybe when they get, maybe they get married or they graduate from college, it's the full launch. But like, they love that too. Like, right? this is great. I have all this freedom. My parents aren't here to tell me you know anymore. I love this freedom, you know, un- until, you know, you get sick, right? And then where, where's mommy, right? Where's mommy? Or you check your online uh, bank account balance. Maybe mom and dad weren't so bad at that point right there. But, you know, by the way, there's, there's, all, this, there's all this freedom, it's actually, it's actually good. And I bring all this up because what Jesus is trying to do with them is like, I'm, I'm about to leave. You've been following me. You've been with me. I've been kind of leading out. You've just been kind of following, do what I say or whatever. And now I'm, I'm heading out. And now you guys are going to be on your own. And I, and I can only imagine, like, the fear that they have, the anxiety that they have, the just like, man, it, 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 following Jesus has been great. He, he's taught me so much about God and about me and about life. I've, I've got to see him do so many cool things. And they're really having a hard time, I'm sure, just kind of putting their heart and their mind around the idea of what their life would be like without Jesus. And then he says this in verse 7. Of John chapter 16. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now it'd be very easy, I think, to read this passage where Jesus is teaching and talking about the Holy Spirit, to kind of blow past that and just get straight into all the things he says specifically about who the Holy Spirit is and how his ministry works, just kind of shoot straight past that and just kind of go on. But there's a kind of a, what? Jesus looks at his followers and says, hey, guess what? It would act, it's actually going to be way better for you if I leave. Now, I don't know how many of you ever thought this or just kind of entertained this idea just about how like you find yourself in a crisis moment of some kind. It's like it would just be so much better, easier if like if, if God were just like, Jesus was like right here and I could just ask him if I could see him, if I could touch him, if I could. That would, that would be so much better. And I'm sure that's what these guys are saying. Like, I don't kind of like it probably took, I would imagine they zoned out for a minute. It's actually going to be better for you that I leave. And I'm like, what? I mean, like, you're, you're, you're Jesus. Like, everything about my life has been improved, and what you're teaching me, how, how you're showing me God, and how the, the peace and the joy and the light, and the things that I've experienced, things that I've seen you do, like, it should make us kind of go, what? But for them, I would imagine it was like, it was like, a, like a record scratch kind of moment. How could this, how could this be better? And he says, actually, the reason it's going to be better, because if I leave, the Holy Spirit will come. But if I stay, the Holy Spirit's going to stay there. So when I leave, he'll come. If I stay, he won't come. And it's better for you that he be here than I be here. And so he's going to spend some time kind of explaining what the Holy Spirit's going to do. So he's, he's kind of making this case to them. Here's why. Here's the things that he's going to do, which is actually going to make it better for you that the Holy Spirit's going to be here. So if we've ever kind of got caught up in that thinking of like, it would be so much better if Jesus could just be right here. Like, Jesus disagrees with you. The situation that we find ourselves in with the Holy Spirit is in fact more advantageous for us. And in a passage like this, I mean, he says so much about the Holy Spirit. There's going to be some things 
that we're not going to be able to talk about, that we're maybe only talk about for a little bit. But I, I, at, a, at a minimum, I kind of just want to make a little bit of a case for kind of what he's talking about before we kind of get into the, the meat of what the Holy Spirit does that makes him important. Because I think one of the significant pieces of this is that Jesus, you know, he was in human bodies. He was, he was at one place at one time, and he's an external voice talking to people. When the Holy Spirit comes, he is everywhere, and is God, God's Spirit comes to live inside you. God's voice, his presence, his spirit dwells in you. So it becomes an internal thing, God, God's presence in you. And so I think, I think just even at that, we can, we can see how this could be advantageous for us. But now as Jesus is explaining what he's going to do, we can see even more how great this can be for us. So he continues, verse 8, John chapter 16. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So again, Jesus says a lot of really cool things here about the Holy Spirit. We're going to kind of focus in on three. There's kind of three particular roles that the Holy Spirit plays in our life, which allows us to kind of be in a position where we can say and experience that having the Holy Spirit is better. It's great for us more so than even having Jesus here with us. And the first one, the first thing that he says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So the first thing he says here is that the Holy Spirit's going to convict us. Now, I know what you might be thinking. is like, I'm going to sit here and talk about how great it is that the Holy Spirit here is right out of the gate. He's like, man, he's going to tell you when you're wrong about stuff. You're like, bro, you misread me. He's like, that's not what I want. That's, that's not good news. That's bad news. Like I, like, I don't need one more voice in my life telling me that I'm messing things up, Right? Oh, great, right? He's going to come here and make me feel bad about myself. Like that, and we, we focus, like that, that feels, it can feel like bad news. And I think there's, there's, there's some reasons for that, but I think kind of the primary one is, it's, it's kind of we, we mix up just kind of like conviction with shame, where conviction, you know, he, I'm, he's, going to, he's going to convict us. It's like, that's, that's hey, that thing that you're doing, that, that is wrong. Don't, don't, don't do that. It's very different than there is a problem with you. I don't love you. You're not valuable anymore. Your value, your worth, your goodness in my eye has, been, has, has, has gone way down because of what I've seen you do. There is a voice that, that is like that in our head that tells us every time I do something wrong that my value, my worth has gone down. But Jesus died on the cross. He killed that. That's dead. When Jesus gave himself for us, he said, you are of such incredible value, I will sacrifice my life for yours to bring you back to God. And then it says 
all throughout the scriptures that our status with God then becomes the same status that Jesus has. And so whatever it is your brain is telling you, when hey, you shouldn't do that. That's not right. That's not the same as when we, can, we allow a different voice to say, you no longer have value. I no longer love you. You're no longer lovable. But it is, in fact, actually a good thing. Because I think we do find ourselves in situations where I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sure what the right thing to do is. What, what is the right move? What is the right decision? Who, what am I supposed to really do? And to say that, that the presence and the voice of God can be in you to tell you is an incredible thing. Now, a lot of the time, we don't need that, right? We don't, we, there are certain things like you don't need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's like, man, I, I'm thinking I'm trying to figure out if I want to punch this guy in the face. Uh, I need it. Well, God, we, we, we know. And I was thinking about this. I use that as an example a lot. And I think maybe this just kind of represents more of the violence that's inside of me. And I, and I feel really bad. Like maybe you guys are like normal, healthy people. But I mean, I was, I was, I'd probably just ride with you in a car just for a few minutes, kind of hide in the back seat, and we can just figure it out, right? Where, where, what, what, what your rage level is, right? We've all got, like, there's certain things we, we know, but we've also find ourselves in really difficult situations. We don't, we don't know the right thing to do. And to say that God's voice can be, can be the voice. If we, can, if we can shut the other ones out, then the voice that I hear about what's right, what's wrong can be God's voice. Well, that, that's, that's great news. And the way that he describes it, he says he's going to prove the world to be in the wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And again, the way that sometimes we read the Bible, we go, okay, sin, righteousness, and judgment. He's going to tell us about bad stuff, and you just kind of keep going. And that all just kind of feels like one blob of a word of like bad stuff. He's going he's to tell us about bad stuff. But the three things that he says, says there are actually very distinct, and he explains them. He's going to convict the world about sin because the world doesn't believe in me yet. And so that's actually describing a ministry that the Holy Spirit does for people who, as of yet, have not given their life to Jesus. You give your life to Jesus, and God's presence, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in you. But if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is still external to you. But one of his roles that he will do kind of everywhere is kind of to tell people, it's like, hey, you know, you're, this sin that you're doing, it's not, it's not good. You, you're, you're separated from God, and, and, and you need help. You need healing. You need restoration. You need forgiveness. It's a work that he's doing in the lives of people, which to kind of tie it back to what I was talking about earlier about inviting people to Easter, it's actually great news. It's actually great news for you to know that the Holy Spirit and the people in your life where, that are disconnected from God, that the Holy Spirit's already doing this work. So when you invite them, when you invite them to come to you at church for Easter, you don't have to be like, man, I was, I was thinking about like we're, our church, we're having Easter next Sunday, and I was thinking about how important it is like for sinners to hear about Jesus, and then I thought about it, I thought of you. And, and I was like, man, here's somebody whose life is like, woo, that brother needs Jesus. And so I want to know if you'll come to church with me and hear some things that maybe you can't... You don't have to play that role. That, that can be the Holy Spirit's role. And your role can be, hey, our churches have an Easter service. I would, love for, I, would, I would love to experience that with you. I would love for us to be able to go together. Would you be interested in that? And it is about your desire for connection and for them to hear. But it's not about you don't have to take this role. And again, I think too often 
we take this role. The role of tell, I got, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you. Right? But this is a role that the Holy Spirit has to play. And then, and then our job, we partner with the Holy Spirit to then just lead them to Jesus. Knowing that the Holy Spirit is doing his work of letting people know, hey, sin is a problem. And so he's like, hey, he's going to tell people about sin because they don't believe in me yet. I'm going to tell people about righteousness, convict people about righteousness because I'm not going to be here anymore. And so essentially what that is, it's really, not, it's really different than sin. Convicting you about righteousness, that's actually a good thing. I'm going, the Holy Spirit is going to let you know in a particular situation what the right thing to do is. It's not just simply, hey, that was the wrong thing but is appointing you towards the right thing. Righteousness has more of this kind of legal standing idea to, to be in right standing with God. So you, you and what you do, you can be right, not just avoiding wrong. And I hope, I hope, that, I hope that you feel the difference between that. That when we talk about the life that you can have with God and about what Jesus does for you and about what the Holy Spirit's presence in your life can do, it's not just so you can stop being so wrong. What's wrong with you? You're wrong. You're broken. You're sinful. And you're, so, you're so wrong. And if you listen to Jesus, you'll stop being so wrong. It's actually he's going to, he's going to show you what is right. Man, I, and I'm, I'm craving that. I don't want to simply just avoid making mistakes. I don't want to simply avoid hurting people. I want to live a life that is, that is right, that is good, that is living out the values that God has for me and that, and that the Holy Spirit will, will, will show me, will, will tell me, will convict me of these things. And then he says, and then he'll convict the world about judgment because the, the ruler of this world, about Satan, because Satan's already been judged. And so ultimately what he's going to do, he's going to tell the world, hey, sin's a problem. And here's to the people who've given their life to God who figured that out, hey, here's, here's the right path. And ultimately, judgment, the stakes in this situation really matter. It really matters in this life how you live because it, it, it affects the next life. It, it matters. It matters that you understand the, what sin is, the consequences of sin, the importance of, of, of following God. It's important. And so it's not just one conglomerate thing, but it's like he's going to show me where I'm falling short. He's going to put me on the right path and help me keep in the front of my mind how important living for God is. And again, if we can, if we can just... Remove shame from the situation. This is actually incredibly good news. That the presence and the voice of God can lead me in these directions. So he says that. And, and then he continues on. Uh, verse 12. He says, I have much more to say to you. More than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So it's a really cool thing, cool thing that he says here. He's like, okay, so I got a lot more that I need to say to you, but you, you can't handle it. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he's looking at their faces, right? He's looking at their faces and saying, hey, I got a lot more to say to you, but I can tell that I'm overwhelming you and you can't really bear me talking to you anymore. So I, 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 I'm just going just gonna to stop here for now. Which, again, as a preacher, I totally relate to, right? We got the, you know, may not know this. We got a little clock right here. It tells me how much time I got left. Like, I don't need that clock. 
I don't need that cloak. I see it on your face. Like, okay, we're done. I, 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 he may, I know he got a lot more to say, but I can't bear it now, right? That's kind of what he's saying right here. It's like, I got a lot to say, but you can't bear it, right? And so you just like, it's, it's too much overwhelming. But, but like in, in, in a real, like, non-jokey way, right, you find yourself sometimes where you're hearing truth about your life, about what's right, about what's wrong, about what you're supposed to do, it, and about what the future holds. You're like, I, this is just, it's just too much. It's just too much. And he's talking to them about his death, his arrest, about what life's going to be like without them. He's like, man, I get it. I get it. It's not much you're not going to be able to handle anymore. But there's a lot more you need to understand. But listen to this. When the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to guide you He's going to lead you into all of the truth. So the Holy Spirit convicts us, but he also leads us to all the truth. And there's two really important, important things. Like that's a really cool statement. He's going to lead you to all the truth. But there's two different things about that that I make sure we really understand. The first one is like the verb, the verb choice that Jesus uses. And then also this use of the word all. He's going to lead you into all the truth. Everything that you need, like, what, what does all mean? Like, like, let's just make sure we understand that there are at least some limits on this. Like, you're, like, you're not going to find out who killed JFK, right? I'm not going to find out that. Are there aliens in Area 51? I mean, you can ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into that, and we'll see what happens. If he tells you, you tell me, right? Like, I, that, that's not what he's talking about. It's a little bit like the verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I mean, it's jump over a building, right? But he's going to lead you into all truth. Everything that you need to know to be who God has called you to be, the Holy Spirit will lead you to that truth. There is your, the, the gap between you and the life that God has called you to, the gap between you and peace, the, the, the gap between you and capital L, life with Jesus, the gap, it will never be, well, I don't, I, I, I don't know. The Holy Spirit will lead you to the truth in everything that you need to know. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be some mystery. It's not going to be that he's going to tell you everything you need to know about what's going to happen in the future. There's always going to be an element of trust. There's always going to be an element of mystery around who God is. But you need to understand, like, he's like, he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like I don't understand. Like, whatever it is that you need to know to understand the truth that you need to understand who God is, who Jesus is, what your life is to be about, the Holy Spirit will always lead you there. But the verb choice is also really important, too. There's any number of ways that Jesus could have phrased this. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you all the truth. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will tell you all the truth. He doesn't use teach. He doesn't use tell. Depending on your Bible translation, he uses guide or lead. So what, what does that mean? It means it's not just going to be as simple as, hey, Holy Spirit, hey, whatever you want to tell me, just go ahead and tell me. Like, like somehow that you have a very passive role to, to follow a leader, to follow a guide, implies a willingness on your part to want to go there. I, the answers 
that I have, the things that I need to understand, they're right over there. And I want to pursue that. I want to know that. I want to follow that. And the Holy Spirit says, great, let, let, me, let me show you. There, there, is a, there is an active participation on your part. There is, there is an active responding. I, I need to, in my heart, in my mind, in my life, to be living a life that says, I, I want to know. I want to be led. I want to understand. I want to pursue. And the Holy Spirit says, I will absolutely do that. There, there, is, there is, again, the gap between you and really fully understanding the things that God wants you to know. It's not that the Holy Spirit is going to hide anything like that from you. It's not going to explain it to you. The, the gap there is, it's, it's my willingness. Am I willing to let him lead me and guide me? You may end up someplace where I, I, this, isn't what, this, isn't what I, this isn't necessarily what I wanted. I wanted you to tell me exactly what I needed you to do. I need you to tell me exactly this. I need you to explain this very specific thing to me. So this, this is what you need to know. There may become a time, like I say, you're not going to be completely satisfied with his answer, but he will always take you there. He will always guide you. He will always lead you. And so the Holy Spirit convicts us. He leads us to all truth. And then finally he says this. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Um, Even before that, he says he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. So essentially he's saying, he's like, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come here. He's going to teach you things. He's going he's he's to guide you into the truth. He's going to convict you about all these things. But all these things that he says, he's going to hear them from me. I'm going to tell him, hey, here's what my followers need to know. So I'm going to say, hey, this is what they need to know. I'm going to say this to them. And he's going to tell it to them. He's going to tell it to you. It's going to come from me. And so, he, the, and then he says, and in this, verse 14, he's going to glorify me. So the Holy Spirit convicts us. He leads us to all truth. And ultimately, he points us to Jesus. And this is of incredible importance. So there's a lot of different ways we need to make sure we understand. First of all, the theological, if you want to get kind of smart here for a little bit, the theological implications of this are kind of really cool. Because you know, Jesus talks about how the Father sent me. So the Father sends the Son. And now we get this picture of the Son sending the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I only do what my Father tells me to do. And Jesus says, the Spirit's only going to do what I tell him to do. And we're thinking about the Trinity and that all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are God. And there's one God, but there's a sense in which one is sending the other. And one is like, hey, I'm not going to say things on my own initiative. I'm only going to say what Jesus says to me. There's just kind of some really cool theological truths that might I mean, I mean, say I'm going to break your brain a little bit trying to think about it. But there's really just kind of some cool reflection to be done there about what this says about God and the different persons of the Trinity. It's really cool. Um, but also from their perspective, you think about this from their perspective, this is kind of assuring to them. They spent three years in the physical presence of Jesus. And it's like, well, I'm going to leave, and now this other person is going to come in and going to kind of take over. Hey, but don't worry. This isn't some new thing. This is, gonna, this is going to be my voice to you. The things that I've been saying, they're all, I, this is only going to continue to point back to me. So you can trust it. So it's assurance for them. And it can be for us too, but it's also, let's just say, it's also kind of guide rails for us. 
If I was like, hey, man, the voice of God is going to be present in you to kind of help you understand the difference between right and wrong. This idea has really kind of undone some people. And I've been alive around doing ministry stuff long enough to hear some people say some really stupid things. And you have been alive long enough to have also said stupid things, right? And so you'll hear, you'll hear this thing, and they'll be like, you know, I've been thinking, I've been praying, and I feel like God is leading me. And then the next words out of their mouth are the dumbest things you've ever heard. This is what I think God was, and I'm, I'm, I don't know who you think God is. God didn't want you to do that. And then they'll follow it up with something equally dumb. I think like God just wants me to be, I know that God just wants me to be happy. And then they follow that up with just something like completely ridiculous. And I'm not saying that God wants you to be unhappy. I'm just saying we got we to gotta make sure we define terms. Are we talking about what God, think, what God knows will make you happy? Or what you think is going to make you happy? Because way too often we think that somehow we can convince ourselves that the voice that is leading us towards righteousness is going to tell us something very different than what we already know that God thinks. Jesus already kind of laid a, a pretty significant foundation for morality and life and values and what our life is supposed to be about, about our attitudes towards money, our attitudes about sex, our attitudes about right and wrong and about how we treat one another. There, I mean, there's, there's some certain values that Jesus already kind of laid out there, and the Holy Spirit's not going to go against any of those things. And so it becomes a, a real guardrail, a guardrail for us because... It, it, can be really, it can be really difficult. It can be really difficult to kind of sort God's voice out. But we've got this incredible opportunity to really hear from God, no matter what situation we find ourselves, to know what is wrong, to know what is right, to know how important it all is, and to, and to, and to be led towards the truth that I need to process and make the decisions and be who God's called me to be. But there's, how, how do I hear it? And I, and I think the, the, this huge discipline that we have, or we need to have, we need to grow, is I'm, I'm going to learn how to stop listening to these two voices. This one voice that says that somehow I think that the voice of God is the, is the voice that says, you're not good enough. You have no value. I'm not sure I love you anymore. Who could love you? That, vo- that is not the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit. That is, that is, that is a, sh- a voice of shame that comes from a dark place inside you and, and from Satan. That's Satan's voice. But then there's another voice that's the, the voice of entitlement that talks a lot about what you deserve, about what I should get. If I, I can put that voice down and I can put this voice down than the, than the voice of God that often very comes in a whisper can lead us to the truth, can, can, can guide us where we need to go to help us understand the bad choices that I've made and help me understand the better choices that I can make and live the life, capital L life, that we can have in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, I pray against those bad voices. God, I'm sure even now that there are some of us here that are just, we just feel ashamed. 
God, that we'll never be good enough to be loved by you. So God, I pray that the gospel, that you will lead us and guide us to the truth of the gospel, that your son Jesus died for us because we weren't good enough. And that no longer has to be a question we have to ask. That your son was good enough for us. So God, let us put aside shame. But God, let us put aside selfish entitlement. And God, let us learn to listen to the truth of the gospel. The truth of what your son showed us and taught us the truth that the Holy Spirit wants to guide us to. To live a life of righteousness, of goodness, of peace, life, hope, and joy. And so I just pray that right now that we would, we would begin or revitalize our connection to your Spirit, our ability to listen, our ability to hear and live and be God who you've called us to be. And as always, we are thankful for your son who makes this possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.